Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. And welcome to episode 206 of Geek Town Radio. I'm back this week after a very long time with Ross. How are you doing? Hi, hi Dave. Yeah, I've missed you. How have you been? I've been very well. It's been a few months since you've been on. We were figuring out before months. we came on. Yeah, it's had a cr- crazy um, ups and downs. Been on holiday. Went to Tokyo recently, Dave. Very nice. Yes, yes. You and you and the half of the Geek Town staff going to Tokyo. Yes, because <laughs> yeah, uh, Vex is out there at the moment. So uh, we had you... our uh, annual Geek Town conference out there with Eddie <laughs> Dave, as we always yeah, do. Thanks. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's been uh, it's been a fun few months. Busy though. Busy, busy. Yeah, yeah. No, that's awesome. Um, so uh, apart from having fun in Japan, what else have you been doing? <laughs> Uh, so uh, here's some. I got some movie and TV stuff. Uh, the first thing is we watched Detective Pikachu, <laughs> good. Uh, which uh, is great. It's really good. Um, it ties into what I'll say later. Uh, there's a um, Bill Nye turns up who I didn't expect to be in it. And he's really good. Um, he, he's pretty good. He's pretty good. Um, the movie isn't amazing. I think if you're into Pokemon, you'll enjoy the movie, and it's a fun movie. I, if you're not into Pokemon, I'd probably give it a skip because right. it's very like, as a movie, it's okay. As a Pokemon movie, it's great. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. I, yeah. Um, yes. Really well done. Po- Pokemon was slightly after my time, so I sort of completely bypassed it. And I'm aware of Pokemon, obviously. And, I was going to say, there's still time for you, Dave. We can get you into it. Yeah. So uh, it's not really on my radar or sort of going to watch, but uh, I I will probably keep and I out for it when it comes out on home release and maybe watch it there. Worth a go, worth a go. Um, another thing we watched quite recently was uh, Always Be My Maybe on Netflix. So um, this is a, I guess you'd call it a rom-com with uh, Ali Wong and Randall Park. Right. And it, it, it seems like, I don't know if you've noticed this as well, but it seems like in the last couple of years, we've had a few really good rom-coms come out. Yeah. So we had The Big Sick a couple of years ago. Oh yeah, and that then was brilliant. Yeah. Like Crazy Rich Asians and, and that kind of there's some really good really funny rom-coms around yeah and i think this is uh, one of those um there is a special guest who i think is in the trailer so don't watch the trailer if you're gonna watch the movie just watch the movie and um the special guest turns up and they're really really good basically there's a a celebrity in it who i didn't expect to be in it and yes uh, yes they're terrific um so definitely give it a watch always been my maybe on netflix okay cool i will go check that one out cool and finally uh I imagine you'll talk about this more, Dave, but I've been watching Good Omens on Amazon. Yes, yes, I will talk about it more because uh, I, I went to the world premiere for Good Omens and Ow. got to talk to some of the cast and uh, oh, we have terrific. those interviews coming up a bit later. So um, I thought it was absolutely fabulous because that was always the thing was it's it's such a beloved property and yes. uh, there is, you know, it's 30 years old, that book, and people really really like it and they're all kind of very nervous about how well it's going to be received but everybody that they kind of talk to seems to be very very happy with it uh, and i hadn't actually read the book at that point so it's one of those things that when you find out that there's a tv show coming it's like do i read the book now yeah. or do i watch the tv series and then go and read the book so uh, i chose the latter um <laughs> but i loved it i i've seen saw the first two episodes at the premiere and uh, i thought it was absolutely fabulous and the premiere itself was crazy because it was full leicester square red carpet film premiere for a tv show which they don't generally do so yeah. and certainly not for the launch of something like so mm. uh, that was that was 
really impressive. But uh, yeah, what do you what do you think? I'm episode ahead of you then, uh, episode three. Yes, and uh, I really, I really, really like it. Before this, I'd read most Terry Pratchett books. Yeah. Uh, never read anything in Neil Gaiman's, and I think you can. It feels very like a Terry Pratchett book, yes. and there's like silly names, and it's it's there's a lot going on, but it's quite funny, but it feels like it's very believable at the same time. Like it happens in, in our world, essentially. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it, it adds up sort of thing so far. And it feels like this could be happening, you know, or, you know, this could happen conceivably. Um, so that, I think that's really well done. I think, uh, the main two guys are really good, David Tennant and Michael Sheen. They're really good. And their their sort of relationship is, is really good. So if anyone doesn't know, Michael Sheen's an angel and David Ten- Tennant is like a demon. Uh, and they've been friends for a long, well, not friends, but they've been associates for a long time Yes, and they end up losing the antichrist the antichrist is born and then they lose him yes um and th- there's a lot of other i was surprised how much other stuff is going on around it yeah um but I, it's quite um it's quite good it, it, it sort of keeps tying things back together really nicely yeah. um because of the sort of religious aspects of it like the angels and uh demons and there's john ham who plays the angel gabriel that stuff's handled quite cleverly but also there's a lot of time stuff in it as well like there's things about the garden of eden and there's yeah. um i think i think in episode three we see a lot of the angel and demons relationship sort of through time which is a a really good episode and they really seem like they don't want to but they an unlikely friendship dave they don't want to like each other but they do yeah Um, and it's really yeah so far it's great uh i can't wait to watch more there's i think there's only six episodes so um there is halfway through there is. It's only a miniseries. Uh, it's on Amazon Prime at the moment. It is coming to the BBC later on. We don't know oh, when yet. Yeah, because it was an Amazon BBC co-production. So mm. um, it will come to the BBC at some point later on. We don't know exactly when they're getting it yet, but uh, it, it'll have to run out a bit on Amazon first. Uh, I do wonder whether they maybe put it out over Christmas, possibly, but it mm. maybe it's got to be a bit longer than that. We'll have to wait and see. I uh, wonder two things, because as I say, I haven't, I haven't read the book like you. I wonder if there's another book or if this is part of a series and I wonder if there's going to be another season of this I I don't know I think it's probably going to be a one-off I don't think it's going to carry on which is which is a shame but it's based off off the book although they have made changes to it and I mean American Gods was a single book and that was Neil Gaiman and they've made various seasons out of that so Mm. I I mean it's not impossible Um, I mean the cast is spectacular Spectacular. It is utterly ridiculous the amount of people that show up in this. Uh, yeah. And I mean, it was it was after sort of David Tennant and Michael Sheen. The cast list has got like just this this huge who's who of anybody that's in British TV. I mean, from all the League of Gentlemen to to and American TV actually, because it's got people like Mike McLean from um, Better Call Saul in it. It's I mean, yeah. it's just crazy, crazy number of people. Like I said, John Hamm and uh, yeah, Francis McDormand. Yeah, Francis McDormand. Um, it is just just insane, insane cast it's got. So uh, all six episodes are on Amazon now, and uh, really urge you to go and watch it. It is, I think, I've been told a fairly faithful adaptation of of the book. I, they have tweaked certain things, like Gabriel. I don't think was a character in the book, or was a much smaller character in the book. So they have tweaked right. some stuff. But yes, it is it is a relatively faithful adaptation, and uh, seems to be going down very very well. So definitely worth going to watch on Amazon. How about you, Dave? What have you been up to? Uh, well, the last week I spent pretty much down in London. As you know, if you listen to the podcast regularly, I put out mm-hmm. a, uh, an interview show last week because I was still away. So I basically done three days at MCM and then stayed down an extra day so I could go and do the Good Omens premiere. So MCM Comic Con, uh, that was brilliant fun. We interviewed a whole bunch of people for MCM. It was an interesting one for me this year because they had fairly limited press access. Mm. Um, partly because a lot of the names that they had there were quite a lot bigger and those sort of middle tier people there was a lot less of them so like your random game of thrones actors i mean the one year where it would be really good the one year where it would have been really good to talk to some random game of (laughs) of thrones actors they didn't have them you know it's you kind of like that's a bit weird but uh they had sebastian stan there and david harbour uh david harbour from stranger things and hellboy 
Sebastian Stan Winter Soldier. Uh, neither of those were doing press and we weren't allowed to film their panels. So sort of from a press side of things, they weren't there as far as we were concerned. <laughs> um, you know, I'm sure they were lovely and I'm sure they, and it's their management is not them. We know that, but um, yeah, that was the situation. So there's no videos or anything up of those guys. Uh, we did get the panel from Misha Collins from Supernatural. Uh, so that is now up on the YouTube channel. You can go and look, watch that. We got the team from Arrow and Stephen Amell did a panel on his own. So uh, did him and uh, the team from Arrow, which is uh, Stephen, Emily, David Ramsey, and uh, randomly Tyler Hoechlin, who had decided to come along, even though the rest of them are all from Arrow and he's from Supergirl. But you know right. <laughs> why not um so uh so yeah i mean that that was good uh got got the panels for those again they weren't doing press interviews although i think that was more to do with the fact that they were so incredibly popular in terms of photos and signing things that they couldn't pull them off the floor for any length of time without a riot happening so right. uh, so i i think it was more that than than them not wanting to do press yeah. so um that was nice to uh see those they were on good form misha Collins particularly was on great form. Um, we there, there's a panel for Saturday and Sunday. Hollywood News Source did the Saturday panel, and we've got the Sunday panel. So uh, mm. worth going to to check those out. Um, and uh, Instagram uh, Geek Town UK Instagram is always good around Comic Con time. So yes, of, uh, yes, it is cosplayers. Uh, yeah, we, I have got a bunch of cosplay photos actually up on the website, which are the sort of semi-edited versions, but they're not <laughs> like the full-blown cosplay edits. Uh, they're going up on Instagram, which is instagram.com forward slash geektown UK. If you go and check that out, there's lots of edits going up of uh, cosplayers on there at the moment. In terms of other interviews, we interviewed the cast of Clerks, minus Jay Muse, unfortunately, who was there but was ill. Um, mm. So he, did, he, he called off actually coming to do the press room interview but uh we got the other guys from clerks uh and um, kevin smith wasn't there either unfortunately some of the other guys uh we got from clerks so there's an interview up with them the Linz kids from walking dead we also spoke to as well which is uh madison matt and maxon who are the three kids who played sophia and the young and old versions of henry in the walking dead and uh they were they were fun they were really good fun and uh, really enjoyed interviewing those so we had a little press room interview with those guys that was really good. It's, it's weird the entire family has ended up... Well, there is one older sister who is on Under the Dome who hasn't appeared <laughs> on Walking Dead. I think they should just throw her in and, like, you know, as a zombie and maybe kill her off in one episode or something just so they can all have been on it at some point. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but, yeah, so uh, so that was really good. And, uh, yeah, like I say, tons of cosplay photos. Quite a lot of gaming there this time as well. Mm. I went and spoke to the guys at a Doctor Who VR game, which is coming out called Doctor Who The Edge of Time, which puts you in the role of the companion to Jodie Whittaker's Doctor. And he's like a whole sort of adventure thing so there's that okay. uh, that was really fun I spoke to the developers of that there was a, a really good um, do you remember the old Wipeout video game maybe with, before my time Dave possibly yes um, <laughs> was a, I mean it, there's been various versions of it it was a PS4 game and it's one of those sort of anti-grav racer things oh where, no sorry yes I do know Wipeout sorry yeah I do yeah so um, that sort of racer game but uh, there is a game called Pacer which is being released as well uh, they're they're still developing at the moment. I think it's coming out on PS4, Xbox, and PC. One of the things they're most proud of is that they've got it to 60 frames a second in 4K uh, wow. on console as well, which is unheard of. Uh, so that's massively impressive. But it's it's basically one of those sort of wipeout anti-grav things. But there is a whole load of customization things, so you can customize like the cars, things, uh, the tracks. There's a whole load of variations where the tracks are sort of day night you can run them backwards forwards you can run time trials there's a sort of battle royale version as well which i think is is a new innovation for a racer so uh, it was really impressive really really good uh, and that's called pacer and uh, keep an eye out for that because that's coming out soon the other thing i had to play around with was um i think called 11 11 which is by the sci-fi channel and it is essentially a play done in vr uh, oh. it's set in a futuristic city which is 11 minutes and 11 seconds to a sort of world ending event and you're following these various groups of people as it comes up to the end and some of them are trying to escape onto the last ship out there that's sort of when the last ship leaves and the like the extinction event happens mm. um 
so you're following these various people around and there's sort of six main characters and you can jump from one character to another. So you can start off following one character and they may go off and wander into a bar and then they talk to one of the other characters. When they start to leave, you can either continue to follow them or you can stay in the bar and see what happens with the characters that are in there. Or you could kind of go into an aerial mode and jump into a different character completely. So Mm. although it is only 11 minutes and 11 seconds, there's a good sort of couple of hours worth of messing around in gameplay or in yeah, right. you know it, because you can fast forward and rewind it to different parts of the story so you might kind of get engrossed in one conversation and end up following that to the end and following that, those people and then you can kind of go back and jump into another bit of the story to see how maybe a particular person got to where they were and and that sort of stuff but uh, that's coming out on various vr platforms i think it's on PSVR, Oculus Rift, Oculus Go, Vive, Samsung Gear. Um, it's some smartphones. It's on the Sky VR app, although I think they said it's only going to be on iPhone at the moment. It's not going to be mm. on Android on the Sky VR app, even though the Sky VR app has an Android app. I don't think it's on there yet. But um, it's worth checking out, though, if you can find it somewhere. Uh, it's called 1111. That's worth worth looking for. And uh, as we mentioned, load of cosplay stuff from MCM as well <laughs> up on the website and the Instagram feed. So that's worth going to look for. So three days in that, then uh, going over to the Good Omens world premiere, which was great. Uh, we'll talk a little bit more about that later on because uh, we have some interviews with the guys from that coming up. In terms of TV, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. came back. I'm really liking this uh, new season. I don't know whether you've uh, seen any of it yet, but uh, really interesting slightly different direction because you know they've they've had them sort of i mean what started off as a sort of second tier mcu show has suddenly become this this kind of thing that's gone entirely off in their own direction and they're they're dealing with things in space and uh, you know they did the life model decoys it introduced in humans uh, a whole bunch of things and now i think i mean it's difficult to tell exactly what they're doing but it seems to be some sort of parallel universe because if you remember the end of last season, Coulson, he is now gone as a character, but they... Again. Yes, again. Mm. But there is somebody who looks a very lot like Phil Coulson now wandering around, but uh, appears to be a character called Sarge. And we don't mm. really know a lot more about him. We don't know exactly where he came from. We don't know who he is. We don't know why he looks like Coulson. So, mm. um, yeah, that, that's kind of really interesting. And, uh, you know, added different members of the cast. And, uh, yeah, really enjoying that. It's been really good. Game of Thrones documentary. Now Game of Thrones is, is over, although we yeah. have still got one more Game of Thrones podcast coming this week, which me Matt will be doing. We've got a reviewing Westeros podcast coming up, which is going to be a sort of final wrap up of everything. Just sort of all eight seasons, we're we're going to be covering everything. So uh, we've oh, got that coming podcast. up. Yes, yes, we'll we'll be kind of skipping through the seasons in that later on this week. So that's one to watch out for. But uh, there's a great documentary that they released on Sky, and you can go and find it on the Sky Box, which is sort of talking through all the behind the scenes of the last season. It's just following people round through the last season and. Uh, there's there's some wonderful bits such as Kit finding out that he's the one that offs Danny sorry yeah. spoilers if you haven't seen it by <laughs> Whoa, now but, 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 if, but, but you know I mean if you haven't seen it by now yeah really, I've seen the picture on Twitter that's a wonderful moment because he clearly had gone into the table read without reading the script beforehand mm. so he sat down at the table doing the table read and you could see him kind of covering his mouth in shock at the fact that he's the one that does it so uh, I, there's, there's some lovely little moments in that if you're a Game of Thrones fan it's really really worth watching because it's quite emotional and you know just just seeing them all coming to the end of it and regardless of I mean I know this season's coming for some criticism but uh, yeah. those guys worked unbelievably hard on it mm. and uh, it's it's nice to see some recognition for the sort of behind the scenes people yeah. you know on that. so that's good if you're into uh, making of documentaries Dave I uh, saw a documentary on YouTube called Raising Kratos which is about the launch of God of War on the PS4 I think it was last ah, year interesting uh, if you're into if you're interested even remotely interested in video games I had sort of no idea of the sort of behind the scenes stuff that happens but it's a really interesting documentary I think it's maybe hour and a half two hours uh, and it's all on 
on YouTube for free. Um, so worth a go. Yes. And uh, if, if that's in that, I imagine that it features Teok from uh, Stargate. Yes, it does. Yeah, because he's the voice. He's the voice of uh, Kratos in, in yeah. that. So. And a surprising amount of physical mocap uh, acting yes. as well. They did him and the, the kid who plays Atreus is good too. Yeah, no, I mean, it's the same with The Last of Us. They do, they, it's, a lot of that stuff is mocapped. Um, yeah. So it is a genuine acting role. It's not like it isn't a, yeah. sort of providing a voice for a video game. It is a full blown motion capture role. Yeah. So uh, yeah, it's quite interesting that. Yeah, worth a go. The other thing which popped up this week, which is not TV or game related, uh, <laughs> is is the fact that the um, Disney theme park in California opened finally Star Wars Galaxy's Edge, which is this uh, new Star Wars themed theme park, um, mm. which apparently is the biggest park out of the three. That because they've got um, California Adventure, the main Disneyland park, and yeah. and Galaxy's Edge, and apparently Galaxy's Edge is the largest one. But uh, it looks fabulous. I mean, they sent us some drone footage of it flying through the park, the most empty you're ever going to see it. Because I, <laughs> I mean, it's got a few people milling around, but I mean, it's going to be rammed. You basically can't book tickets now until I think it's the tw- after the 23rd of June. It's completely booked until the 23rd of June. We've decided after after going to uh, Tokyo Disneyland and Disney Sea, Dave. We've decided to to go to all of the Disneylands. That's part of our going to be a life do. goal for my wife and I. So we've got to go to Orlando, and then we've got to go to Hong Kong. Um, ah, yeah, yeah. And then hopefully by then they'll have opened another one, so we can go to that as well. Yeah, well, if you're going to do Orlando and you want to do the uh, Star Wars stuff, wait until August because they're opening the Orlando one in August. There you go. So uh, so yes, and then the California one is. Uh, uh, now open although they've got two feature rides uh one of them being the millennium falcon thing which i'm sure you've seen if you've seen footage around uh, that is open at the beginning there is another big feature ride which is not opening until the end of the year so mm. uh but you can go in you can apparently build droids you can build lightsabers they've got you know, um if you've ever been to the harry potter world where they have the ones yeah. that interact with things mm. um Very you, cool. know, you can wave them at the windows and you have the, the ones that can interact with stuff apparently the droids do the same sort of thing because you can get little backpacks so you can carry the droid after you built it you can carry the droid around in your backpack and it will interact with stuff around the park i think amazing and you can go in and build your own lightsaber there's a full kind of lightsaber building school and apparently they're like like the 200 dollar solid metal like not cheap plastic thing they're proper solid metal lightsabers you can buy blue milk and green milk and, <laughs> and, Good. Uh, That's yeah, and, and all that stuff so you could actually try that um yeah it, it looks phenomenal and i mean it, it looks just the whole look of it is incredible so um Yes, it will be something I will be going to at some point. I don't know when, but it will be something I will definitely go to at some point. There's more information about that and the park and all the stuff you can see there. That's all up on the website as well, if you want to go and see that. So uh, that's enough stuff about what we've been doing. Let's move on to some TV and film news. TV and film news, we kick off with the renewals, cancellations and pickups as ever. Uh, we start off with uh, sad cancellation, although not entirely unexpected. Silicon Valley is coming to an end with its sixth season, uh, which I love that show. It's hilarious. Yeah. It's really funny. And uh, it is a decision by the production crew. It's a decision by the producers and the writers. It's not uh, uh, HBO cancelling it. Uh, so it is going to come to a proper end. Uh, sixth season is going to come out later on this year, but that will be the last one it's a slightly shorter run by one episode i think it's seven episode and it's usually eight to ten so um it is going to be a little bit shorter but i you know they've they basically given them what they wanted to be able to finish it in a way they wanted to finish it but i think it's about time you know with that i think yeah. it's, it, it feels six seasons feels about right and there's only so many things i think you can you can sort of have him fail upwards only so many times <laughs> that's right but it's a great show really really good show humans they announced is not going to be returning for a se- fourth season which i was i was kind of worried might be the case but uh yeah. they have apparently decided that they're not going to bring it back that does bear to be a financial decision between channel four and amc which is a shame although this third season didn't 
really end on a cliffhanger it did have a certain amount of closure to it so i i mean i don't feel too bad that it was kind of left on some massive cliffhanger or anything it sort of felt like it did close out a little bit but i've always always happy to see more I mean, you know the connection that we have with that show i mean you know i've i've interviewed most of the cast we've been on set i appeared in that documentary thing with Gemma chan and you know so i i i love that series and i am very sad to see it go but uh you know i i kind of thought when they hadn't announced a renewal yet i kind of right. thought that might be the case they have now confirmed it is not going to be back for a season four so season three was the final one there's an air date for Jessica Jones, finally, which will be the last thing to wrap up the Marvel Netflix deal that is coming in the 14th of June. That will be the last Marvel TV show on uh, on Netflix. And, so uh, sad. Yeah, which is a shame. They may pop up somewhere else. Uh, they may pop up on the FX channels. They may pop up on Hulu. But it won't be for a few years because there is an exclusion deal with Netflix. So they can't move it anywhere else. Despite the fact that it was Netflix that cancelled them, <laughs> they still can't move them anywhere else, which is a bit of a shame. But uh, yeah. we'll have to wait and see with that, see whether they do pop up somewhere. As it is, that is it. So, uh, yes, 14th of June for third and final season of Jessica Jones. And uh, Alibi has picked up a couple of interesting little miniseries, which um, we have talked about one of them on here before, the uh, Waco miniseries, which is about the Waco tragedy where David Koresh, who was a cult leader, had sort of gathered these group of people and the FBI basically stormed it and ends up with lots of people dying. So Mm. interesting little miniseries about that which uh, stars Taylor Kitsch and uh, Michael Shannon as well. And Melissa Bernist, aka Supergirl, is also in it. So um, worth going to watch that. They haven't said exactly when that's going to air, but it'll be on Alibi some point over the summer. Supergirl and General Zod, interesting. Yes, Supergirl. Well, yes, Supergirl, TV Supergirl and General Zod from the movies. Yes, interesting. (laughs) And then there is uh, I Am the Knight, which stars Chris Pine and uh, is directed by Wonder Woman's Patty Jenkins. Tells the gripping story Fauna Hoddle, a teenage girl who is given away at birth and grows up outside Reno, Nevada. Fauna lives more or less comfortably with the mystery of her origin until one day she makes a discovery that leads her to question everything. Uh, as Fauna begins to investigate the secrets of her past, she meets a ruined reporter played by Chris Pine, who uh, is haunted by the case that undid him. Together they follow a sinister trail that swirls ever closer to the infamous Los Angeles gynecologist Dr. George Hoddle, a man involved in some of the Hollywood dark debauchery and possibly its most infamous unsolved crime which is the Black Dahlia murder so yeah I mean that one sounds interesting and uh, I mean depends whether you like Chris Pine or not I guess but Patty Jenkins <laughs> has proved herself to be a fabulous director with Wonder mm. Woman so um, could be uh, could be one to watch out for that's called I Am The Night and uh, they've picked that up again coming in summer we don't know exactly when yet so uh, keep an eye out for that on the site we'll put dates when they they get launched moving on to slightly larger news uh Downton Abbey's Jessica Brown Finlay is uh, going to be joining Harry Lloyd and Alden Ehrenreich in a, the Brave New World series, which uh, we've spoken a bit about the Brave New World series on here before. Are you aware of the books? I mean, it's it's probably something you might have been forced to read in school. <laughs> <laughs> no, it is. I'm, I'm aware of the uh, the title rings a bell, but no, I don't think I've ever read them. Yeah, so, uh, I mean, the, the book Sounds is... Sounds like a, um, oh, what's his name? Arthur C. Clarke type situation. Yeah, it is. it is very much that sort of thing i mean the the book is a um is a absolute classic and uh they, it is the type of thing that they do read in school because it's about a sort of mm-hmm. dystopian dis- society sort of thing um the tv version is written by david weiner grant morrison and brian taylor and uh it's set in this futuristic utopian society where people are drugged to stay happy but they also have a number of their freedoms removed including prohibition on monogamy privacy money family and history itself so children are created and conditioned to play a specific role in society and split into various castes so if you're born as a factory worker you're kind of conditioned to like living in cities and have no interest in books and that sort of stuff 
The story set in New London follows Bernard Marks and Leanna Crown, who are played by uh, Harry Lloyd and Jessica Brown Finlay. They are sort of looking for a bit of adventure outside the city. They venture out into a place called the Savage Lands, which is doesn't have all these strict rules. They get stuck in the middle of this violent rebellion. They're rescued by somebody called John the Savage, which is Alden Ehrenreich's character, who ends up escaping back to New London with them. And then sort of things start to go terribly wrong in New London as well. So um, that's that's the basic sort of setup of it. It looks really, really interesting. We haven't got a mm. UK pickup for it. It's going out on uh, USA Network in America. So um, I think Sky One picks up some of the USA Networks, but then Amazon's picked some of them up as well because Mr. Robot was a USA Network show and then Last Ship was a USA Network show. Oh, so I mean, so they've probably got some good money to put into it then. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think Suits is a USA Network show as well. So, oh, right. So, I mean, it's, it, they're not short of cash. It's, it's sure. part of uh, NBC Universal. As I say, don't know where that'll end up over here, but we'll have to keep yeah, an eye right. out for it. But, uh, Sounds right- good. Yeah, sounds good. The writers are interesting as well because uh, Grant Morrison and Brian Taylor, the people behind Happy, mm. the, which is a fabulous, fabulous Netflix series. If you've not watched that, the the, the one about the sort of drunk cop and who ends up befriend, being befriended by a magical blue flying unicorn. Uh, yeah, no, yeah, yes, it is brilliant. And of course, uh, Grant Morrison of comic book fame. Yes, and Grant Morrison is spectacular comic book writer. So um, yeah, it's an interesting one for them to be adapting. And um, mm. David Weiner, uh, Homecoming. The killing flesh and bone so he's got a decent set of stuff behind him as well one to look out for that brave new world great this one was an interesting one it's a uh, star wars related because it, and it's only a rumor at the moment but uh, there's been kind of rumors floating around that they might be planning on doing some old republic stuff within mm. the film world which uh, have you played any of the knights of the old republic games yeah yeah bits and bobs no, none to uh, completion so this is just a, this is before phantom menace right in the time way 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 before it's like you know how the game of thrones prequel is like two three thousand years before it's the same sort of thing with this this is set in a you know the old republic is is like thousands of years before all the stuff we've seen before it it's was uh, video games originally and um, it's sort of spawned out into various comic books and stuff as well they've they've done for it but they've never actually put any of it on screen before mm. the person that appears to be writing it is the person behind Avatar and Shutter Island who was the screenwriter Lieta Caligridis we're going to go with again I <laughs> apologise if I butchered her name yes uh, it was reported in BuzzFeed uh, that that person is going to be uh, writing a new movie and he's close to completing the script now we've got to kind of stitch a few things together here because we know that the Game of Thrones people Benedoff and Weiss who were the two people that were behind Game of Thrones are the next trilogy to come out or thought to be a trilogy they're supposed to be the people that are taking control of the next movies and if they're going to step away from the Skywalker saga it sort of makes sense that they go some completely different direction so it's possible that the film that that they're looking at given that it is those guys and they they know that sort of old more kind of old school type of world mm-hmm. um i mean there is there's going to be technology in it obviously but it yeah. you know it, it may be there's still that lightsabers of, in that yeah there's still lightsabers in fact there's a lot more lightsabers on screen probably than you've seen before because you are at Which the height of the kind of old republic and at the height of the sith power as well so um i think that could be kind of interesting we don't know that the script that she's allegedly writing is for those guys but that would seem probable that's the sort of connection that they're going to make the movies are set to come out in 2022 24 and 26 and it has been confirmed that the game of thrones showrunners are the people directing certainly the first one of those i mean if it goes horribly wrong then they probably won't be directing the others but but those are the set dates for the uh, for the next star wars movies so uh, we know that they're going to be directing the first one of those and this seems like a likely possibility if it's sure. if it turns out to be correct but i mean i i loved the video games i thought the video games were really solid and uh the role-playing game uh the, they then released a uh, mmo version of it as well mm. which isn't quite as good because it doesn't have the depth of story sure. uh, it it tries to do it and it does a reasonable job but you've it's got to play with the mmo framework yeah, because you're sort of dealing with other people and you've got a certain <laughs> amount of kill 10 rats type of quests and yeah. that sort of stuff <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
you have to deal with all that stuff. So I, yeah, this this looked like it could be quite interesting. There was another story, quick story, which popped up today, actually. Um, speaking of sort of big movie franchises, you might have wondered what the Russo brothers are going to do now that they've done Avengers it's Endgame. Completed Marvel. Yes, completed <laughs> Marvel. Uh, now they're done with Endgame. You might wonder what they were going to do next. It seems that they went back and uh, played a few ra- games of uh, cards, Magic the Gathering specifically, until one of them sat up and went, hang on a minute, this would make a great TV series. So, um, yeah, they've teamed up with Netflix. It's going to be an animated series, uh, but they are making an animated series based on the Magic the Gathering franchise uh, they announced right. today. They're saying they've sort of been a huge fan of the game ever since it was like first released in 1993. This is a proper passion project for them. The animation studio is a company called Octopi, who are going to be behind it. The writers are Henry Gilroy, who's worked on Star Wars Rebels and Star Wars Clone Wars. Jose Melina, who's worked on The Tick and Agent Carter. So um, right. solid writers behind it, but I thought... I love that- like a Yu-Gi-Oh style where they play the card game and it's all like heightened and the monsters are real and stuff. That'd be really cool. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what they're going to do with it. I mean, they're saying they're talking about it will expand the world and uh, mm. all new storyline expands the stories of the Planewalkers, which are the unique magic wielding heroes and villains as they contend with state larger than any one world can hold. So that's the basic logline for it. But uh, yeah, interesting. I mean, I was a huge fan of the uh, card game. I haven't played it for a very long time, but I, I went through a definite period of, of collecting cards for Magic the Gathering. So I thought that was kind of an interesting one. And uh, Russo's are on a roll at the moment. So, you know, can't be a bad sure. thing. And uh, <laughs> lastly, ITV2 and Hulu, which is an interesting combination, have teamed up for a very interesting sounding comedy called Zomboat. And it's set in a canal boat in Birmingham with zombies. Oh, great. Wow. So um, the setup for it, when a zombie apocalypse is unleashed in Birmingham, sisters Kat and Joe, together with unlikely travel companions Sonny and Amar, must flee for their lives by canal boat. Joe has just returned from a season as a club rep and decided to move back in with her younger sister Kat, a computer game addict who buys into every conspiracy theory around. Joe struggled to take her sister seriously when Kat claims the zombie apocalypse is real and happening right now in Birmingham. So, well, look, Dave, if it was going to start anywhere, no. I think we all... Yes. <laughs> uh, it's, it's Broad Street on a Saturday night, surely. Mm, yes, I've seen, yeah. I've seen the apocalypse, Dave. It's coming. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I mean, I, I I, don't know. Interesting collection of ideas for this. It's very ITV2. I mean, it's very much the sort of British comedy that they like to do, uh, yeah. aim, aimed at that sort of audience. Leah Brotherhead, who was in White Golden Boy Mitz Girl, play Cat. Hamza Jatua, who was in Doctor Who and Our Girl, plays Sunny. Ryan McKen, who was in um, Save Me in the State, plays Amar. And uh, Cara Thurbold, who was in Crazy Hair, Danton Abbey, a whole bunch of other things. She plays Joe. So yeah, an interesting collection of people. Cara is great. We've seen her in various things. Uh, I don't really know the other people, but um, comedy for a younger audience. Uh, they t- What was the other thing they did? Was it Time Wasters? where they, they mm. it was a sort of time travel thing in an elevator. And uh, yeah, they, they did that, which has just gone out for a second season. So um, yeah, they do this sort of stuff quite well. And uh, I, I'm quite intrigued by it. We'll have to wait and see what it's like. But uh, they haven't said when it's coming to screen, but presumably it's shooting around Birmingham. So if you happen to be in Birmingham to see some zombies, keep an eye out. <laughs> That's all the news for this week. Let's move on to the interview. <laughs> 
to bring to screen before and hadn't managed it good omens was one of the things mm. so and he knew terry and he knows neil and was sort of around when they were talking about making it into a tv show and stuff so uh, so it, it was sort of appropriate that he was there was so great. we had a chat with all those guys we sort of explained what the show was about earlier so i don't need to go into that again i should also mention these were done on the red carpet so there is a bit of background noise and i'm not the only voice you'll hear asking questions i do ask a few questions but there are many other people they were trying to sort of cluster people together to make sure they got everybody through and everybody got to ask something here's the interview with with, uh, these guys we'll start off with the director douglas mckinnon Here's the first most obvious question. What is so special and beautiful about this story and what were the biggest challenges and rewards of bringing it to screen in the way you have? Uh, the, the, the story is so special because it tells the story about uh, the modern world. It, ref, it, it reflects it because it's, it's really about how being polarised in politics and life doesn't get you very far. Whereas if, you, uh, if, if an angel and a demon can get on together over the whole of time, then maybe the rest of us can get on together as well. It's hard to imagine a better fit for that angel and demon than the uh, devilishly talented David Tennant and the angelically wonderful Michael Sheen. Can you talk a little bit about both of them and and a little bit more about their characters? It's a wonderful dynamic between them. Well, uh, Neil Neil and Terry uh, Pratchett actually wrote the characters as, as one character to start with and then split them apart. And, and in a way, that's, that's, that's what it feels like when you see them on screen. It feels like it's two characters dancing around each other and trying to make it one. So that's what it was like. Can you talk a little bit about um, the changes between the book and the screen version? Because obviously, particularly John Hamm's character, a bit more expanded and then other things have hit the floor. Yeah, I, I mean, uh, Neil felt like most of the book uh, translates pretty pretty straightforwardly into the screen but he also felt like he, he wanted to build on some of the structures and the hierarchies and one of them was the relationship between God and, and uh, Beelzebub uh, sorry between the devil and Beelzebub and then between God and, and, and the Archangel Gabriel and also we just wanted John Howe <laughs> In terms of the scenes obviously it's, um, it's astonishing visually fans will have things they're excited to see on screen what are you most excited for fans of the book to see realised on screen is there a particular episode or sequence that you think is the highlight of the series for you? I think the fans will love things like the seance uh, and I think they'll love things like uh, Crowley driving the car when it's on fire uh, and I think that's those, those are amazing things and also the bookshop goes on fire which everybody's all worried about so I'm looking forward to seeing what they, how they react to that. I mean, in terms of those effects, how much of it was practical and did you have any particularly um, near-apocalyptic experiences on set? No, the, the big secret of, of uh, stunts like that is to make them look dangerous and not be dangerous. Uh, we've got a whole mixture of real effects plus uh, CGI uh, in a way that you couldn't have done a few years ago in television, but which we did to a great extent on this. Can you talk about how um, special and poignant it is to have people like Terry and Neil behind the camera and obviously I mean Terry not able to see it today with us but I mean um, do you think you'd be very proud and happy with uh, what you've done with his work I, I, I never had the privilege of meeting Terry but, but I'm told by all concerned that he would have loved what we've done so that's good enough for me so that was director Douglas McKinnon next up we have one of the producers Rob Wilkins it's wonderful having you with us tonight. I think the first most obvious question, can you talk about the challenges and rewards of taking this iconic story and adapting it for this miniseries? The challenge is, it turns out that Good Omens just happens to be just about everybody's favourite book. So Michael Sheen's favourite book, John Hamm's favourite book. That's quite a responsibility. And then you've got a crew. You've got a crew of hundreds. And it's a beloved book to all of those people, those guys as well. So obviously, you want to do your best by the book. So the biggest challenge is the book. Every day was the book. And having Terry Pratchett sitting on your shoulder telling you not to mess up, that was a challenge for me personally. I mean, of all of the great creative output that those two geniuses have given us, why do you think this one is, like you say, for so many actors, so many storytellers, one that they latch onto, one that means so much to them? That's a great question. It's a really accessible book and it's a really accessible show. So I, th- I think that's why. It ju- it's just, it, the book reads like a movie. A very hard to adapt movie, but it reads like a movie. And in fact, for me, now is the only time and the only place in time and space where it could have happened because TV being what it is now with the streamers allowing us to make a six hour movie. So that's a very important thing for me. Very important thing that only now could we have done this amazing thing. Um, Talking of it being somewhat like a a movie, I mean, the, the premiere of this size 
for, did you ever think you'd see something like that for a TV show rather than a film? Because this is a full-blown movie premiere. This is entirely a fully-blown movie premiere, and there's David Tennant just over there doing his stuff. No. Did I ever expect this? No. I thought we might have a, a, a cast and crew screening. I thought we might have something for our families. I never expected this ever. Thank you, Amazon. Thank you, BBC. This is incredible. You're talking about David and Michael. It's hard to imagine this series existing without them. Can you talk a little bit about the unique qualities they both have as performers that make them such a perfect fit both together and for these characters? Yeah, absolutely. The unique fit of anything else is the magic that they created between them. So they'd been in the same movie together, but they'd never acted together. And within 20 minutes of our read-through, these guys were just singing together, dancing together. It was absolutely beautiful. You'll see it on the screen. It's a proper, beautiful magic. We, we couldn't have expected anything else. We cooked, sorry, we couldn't have expected anything more. It is incredible. The magic that they create is fantastic. Can you talk about the visual magic? Because I think, obviously, the look and feel of the series, even just from the trailer, um, seems like something quite special. The look of the... Uh, it, well, it looks like a movie. It looks like a very, very expensive movie. And yet it, there's six hours of it on TV. That's incredible and we are very very we have been very very blessed with a wonderful production designer michael ralph who's created this wonderful look for good omens we couldn't be happier it's unbelievable Talk a little bit about, um, i mean particularly some of the differences between the uh, series and the book because obviously particularly john ham's character gabriel is much expanded upon in this version absolutely well there's always going to be things that we would have to lose out of the book to make it fit so even if you've got six hours you'd want seven hours or eight hours or nine hours so you would always want more time so some things had to be cut but to make things certain things more coherent some characters had to be made be melded together and in fact the angel gave Gabriel was a character that Neil and Terry had spoken about during the writing of Good Omens, but in the writing of the screenplay, Neil needed somebody to fit that bill. Somebody at head office, a re the really pedantic boss, however hard you're trying, he always wants you to try harder. And that's Gabriel. So that was producer Rob Wilkins. Now we come to writer Neil Gaiman, who wrote the whole series and was also co-author of the book with Terry Pratchett. Can you talk a little bit about, for you, what the heart of this story is and how proud you are to see it realised on screen finally in this beautiful way? The heart of the story was Terry Pratchett and I getting together over 30 years ago and deciding to write a novel about an angel and a demon um, working together to stop the apocalypse from happening, to stop Armageddon. And because we liked the world, both of us, Terry and me, and we thought it was a really good place and it was worth, worth saving. Um, and we wanted to write about that. What's happened since, um, Terry, we tried to make it into a film for many years. Terry Gilliam tried to make it into a film. Um, then Terry Gilliam actually suggested we make it into a TV show. We looked for somebody to do it for us. We couldn't find anybody. And finally, about five years ago, Terry said, he wrote me a letter and he said, you have to do this. I know how busy you are, but you have to write it and make a show that I can watch before the lights go out. And I said, okay. And then Terry died, which meant suddenly this had become a last request. So I came back from Terry's funeral and started to write the first episode. And uh, it took two years to get to the point where we started shooting. And it took two years to get from there to now because it was a long, long shoot. And then almost a year of post-production, there's so much CGI, special effects, amazing things. Um, and now I'm here absolutely dazed and uh, looking around at a green carpet, this first ever Leicester Square um, premiere for a TV show. And I'm just so proud of what we brought to the world. And Michael Sheen and David Tennant are starring as your leads in this. What made you decide that they were the right ones to play the demon in the stage? I've known Michael for about a decade. Michael was actually there with me when Terry Gilliam suggested we do it for television. I started sending Michael the scripts as I was writing them just for comments. Somewhere in there I thought maybe he'd make a good Crowley. And then I realized as I was writing it that I wanted David Tennant for Crowley and I wanted Michael for Aziraphale. And Michael and I had an incredibly awkward and embarrassing dinner when 
I had to break it to him. I wanted him to be a Xerophile, not Crowley. And he was a little too nervous to break to me that he'd read the scripts and didn't want to play Crowley, but really wanted to play a Xerophile. So we were very, very awkward at each other for most of the meal. And finally I explained and he was like so relieved. And I had my Crowley and then we approached David and we had our Aziraphale and I thought now I need my angel Gabriel and I wrote an email to John Hamm because I knew that he'd been a fan of Good Omens when he was at school and he said yes and really I mean I, I have the world's greatest cast here and I have it because pretty much everybody we asked said yes if they could do it they said yes so we got the Derek Jacobys Miranda Richards and Adria Arona we got um, uh, you know Mark Gatiss and, and all of the League of Gentlemen come in and just do these wonderful little parts for us. It's so glorious. So that was Neil Gaiman. Now we come to the Monty Python legend, Terry Gilliam. Oh, Terry, as one of our favourite storytellers, I'm curious what you think makes people like Neil and um, Terry Pratchett such iconic and important storytellers. Well, they're important and, uh, and iconic because I like their work. That's why. It's as simple as that. I mean, it was years ago uh, when Neil, Terry and I met and we were talking about doing Good Omens as a film. And I I spent quite a bit of time. We wrote a script, cinema script. Johnny Depp was going to be in it, Robin Williams. But in a strange way, it's better to be a six-part television series because we had to throw out so much of the book to squeeze into two hours and ten minutes. So I'm excited to see what they've done. <laughs> I'm curious, obviously, um, you're famous not just for the wonderful films you've made, but for the unfortunate times when you haven't got to make them. I'm curious where you put Good Omens in that list of disappointments in terms of films that you didn't quite get to uh, have the chance to explore. Yeah, I think it would have been nice because I actually did a lot of interesting storyboards that I don't think will be in in what we're watching tonight because I thought quite a bit about it and I think their work was so good to read the book the first time was astonishing and then to find out that Hollywood Studios had no interest in it even though it had sold millions by then and that's that's been part of the problem with dealing with Hollywood so and that and that was with Johnny Depp before Pirates of the Caribbean so <laughs> what is it about Good Omens that interests you because I think, obviously, I mean, there's a lot of nuance and layers to it, but what is it that most speaks to you about that story? Well, I mean, representatives of heaven, hell, having a good time on Earth, and suddenly along comes the Antichrist, and it spoils all the fun they've been having. I mean, I love the fact they were like these two characters who one represent heaven one hell and they found a little quiet island somewhere called earth and they were having a wonderful time they divided up the place and each got to do what they wanted to do and as long as they keep this going life was great and then along comes armageddon uh, always ruins everything armageddon has always been a ruin here of, of good parties <laughs> Uh, no. oh, there it is. <laughs> uh, now, now Amazon have decided to to make uh, one of uh, Terry Pratchett's um, books. Is there another one that you would uh, like to try and approach now? So. Ah. Not at the moment. I'm trying. I'm looking for something to do. I don't know what I'm going to do next. Now I've got Coyote out of my system. I'm looking around, but uh this. I think. What I liked about Good Omens more than many of the other books, it it the combination of Neil and Terry became more interesting. Because Terry's world is very complete. But with Neil in there, it started getting pulled apart in different ways, and that's what I liked about it. <laughs> I'm curious, Terry. I mean, Don Quixote is obviously something that you fought so hard for. Um, can you describe your feelings now that you've finally scratched that itch? Well, it's done, and I think it's a wonderful film. That's what was nice. I, I Fuck the audience. I was just interested in would I be satisfied at the end of the day, and I am. So, no, and, and the reactions are great. It's really good. So I'm happy. I'm, my problem is it has been part of my life for so long. There's a big void there. I don't know what to do now. <laughs> But anyway, that part of my life is finished. That's a good bit. <laughs> I think obviously with this, I'm sorry, I guess my final question, um, people have been very quick, talking about reactions and audiences, people have been very quick to project um, political uh, symbolism onto this story. Do you think that's making it harder to tell um, stories, the fact that people want to tie it too closely to politics and the real world and those kinds of things? People can do what they want. I like making, and I like what other people do, 
making films and TV that can be read by different people in different ways. I think that's wonderful. People always project their own idea of the world onto whatever they see. So good luck to them. From Terry Gilliam, we move on to the stars of the show, uh, starting with Adria Adjorna, who you might know from the TV show Emerald City, where she played Dorothy. Uh, she was Emily in True Detective. She also has popped up in films like Pacific Rim as well. And I guess the obvious question to start with, can you tell us, for people who aren't fans of this original source material, a little bit about your character and where she fits into this astonishing world? Yes, Anathema Device is a descendant of Agnes Nutter. She kind of lives her life through these prophecies and she's not very good at following them but has kind of had the dictation her whole life of what was going to happen and the big question is kind of is she going to live her life as as this descendant and continue knowing what's going to happen and or try to discover what's going to happen or is she really going to start living by what her heart tells her and her own opinions um, and I kind of really like that about her she's I think the first time I've played a role where I'm not the girlfriend now or, 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 or the nurse or that this I'm anathema really is a well-rounded character and I think Neil is brilliant at writing female characters and I'm so lucky can you talk a little bit about what excited you most overall about this story and what fans can expect from the series as a whole um I think I think what excited me the most was that I was able to play a woman that was well-rounded and and had desires and was doing something it was actually propelling the story forward um that was really exciting working with Michael and David and John and all these incredible actors. I mean, it was one after the other and being able to work with Neil and Doug, all of those things were exciting. And I think the fans are really going to see that book that they once imagined in their head come to life in such an exciting and thrilling way. And for people that haven't seen the book, I think it's a story that is so relatable and it has no age. I showed it to my nine-year-old brother, I showed it to my grandmother and they all seem to love it. So that, I think that's... (laughs) Well, last question. Um, you mentioned Michael and David. Obviously, astonishing chemistry on screen. What were your fondest memories being with them on set? Um, because I'm not with them all the time. Um, I saw them a lot in hair and makeup um, together, and they're just really—they're kind of the same. They work symbiotically, really cool, and they're just really funny and kind. And I don't—I don't know. We just had such a good time. It's hard. We also filmed this two years ago, so it's, now it's hard for me to remember. But they're amazing. And finally we have the two leading stars David Tennant and Michael Sheen tell us a little bit about each of your characters and what makes them individually and collectively such a fascinating duo well I play the angel Aziraphale yes and I play the demon Crowley and they have both been on earth uh, representing their uh, head offices respective head offices since the Garden of Eden I've been trying to keep mankind on the straight and narrow yeah and I've been trying to corrupt it but as the millennia go on they realise that actually they could help each other out as effectively they cancel each other out anyway yeah. they can they can do what they need to do and slightly cut down the workload so they help out the other team when they're busy so yeah. to speak yeah 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 uh, and then it turns out that the end times are coming because yeah. this one is charged with bringing the antichrist into the world yes uh, I, so therefore I say listen we're about to lose our cushy number living on earth and enjoying all the things that mortals enjoy like wine and nice dinners yes uh, so we uh, we set out to make sure that we can we can live on earth that earth can continue and that we don't have to give up all of the niceties we've come to enjoy so we try and avert the apocalypse yeah. angel demon work together to avert the apocalypse yeah. there's your tagline there you go you're looking so fantastic in your suits I'm loving them um, in terms of swapping roles did you ever think about I know you had wanted you know you were going to play the demon did you ever feel like you wanted to swap roles throughout the, the series I was not, no I was never going to play the demon there was a sort of misunderstanding between me and Neil that we thought each other thought that I was going to play that part and I thought I'm not good enough to play that part so we found someone good enough, thank goodness, <laughs> to actually pull it off. No, I think it was, well, I, for me, it was just, it, Michael was always on board. So I just read the script and thought, what a fantastic part. And I get to play opposite Michael Sheen. Now, what could be finer? You guys haven't worked together previously. Did you enjoy the experience? Sorry, say that again. You guys have worked together previously. You've been in the same movie, but did you enjoy yeah, yeah, we were in, yeah, yeah, we were in Bright Young Things that uh, Stephen Fry directed, but we've never had any scenes yeah. together. And we've known each other for a long time, and I've been a huge fan. 
yeah, of David's work. So it, when we came to be able to act together, you never know how it's going to go until you actually start doing it. But it was sort of beyond my wildest dreams. Oh yes. Well, I think my angel has got a lot of devil in him, and David's demon has got a good soul. Yes, he's not that bad, really. Yeah. They, they are. They, they complete each other. They are the yin to each other's yang. Um, you had me at hell. Hey. But it is, you know, you're right. It's a buddy. It's a buddy movie. Really. It's, a, it's uh, and it's they, they are bound together through all eternity. They're sort of the ultimate odd couple. Yeah, it, it's got a rom-com thing to it. You know, it you've got these bit. two characters who sort of don't get along to begin with, so you know they're going to end up in each other's arms, <laughs> psychologically speaking. Yeah, at least. Yeah. Does that mean you had a fun offset together as well? Well, we, we did. On, I mean, on the days when it was just me and David, which was a lot, we would have a lovely time just yeah. hanging out. But then we'd have these amazing actors, some of which are here tonight, yeah. who would pop in every now and again, and, we, and then it was just like a party. Yes, it just sort of kept getting better and better, the people that kept turning up. Um, and even after we finished filming, then other people were coming on and being part of the show. It just sort of kept growing and growing and growing. When I finally saw uh, one of the episodes and the credits come up at the start, there were actors in that I didn't even know we had in the show. <laughs> We got added in later. It's, it's an incredible roll call. Was there an added pressure? Because obviously it was one of the late Sir Terry Pratchett's final wishes that were made. Was there yeah. pressure for you guys? Well, I think Neil took that very, very seriously yeah. as a sort of last wish of Terry's. So Terry was very present throughout the filming of it. And in fact, I believe uh, his hat... Yeah. Uh, and Scarf are going to be in the audience tonight. Yeah. So he's sort of with us tonight at the premiere as well. So I think that was, uh, Neil really took that on board. And I think we we felt as well, it's hard not to feel the pressure of all the fans of the book. It's so beloved and I'm one of them, you know. I read it 30 years ago when it first came out. And so to be able to be part of bringing it to the screen felt like a huge responsibility. But it was just a joy really in the end. It was, yeah. It's so beautifully written. There's so many amazing people in it. We just had a real laugh. I think because Neil was had written the scripts and we're sure running the whole thing that took the pressure off us to an extent because it felt like well yes this book is beloved and yes there's a huge expectation and desire to see this adaptation but we've got the boss here or one of the bosses you know so uh, if we if you know any decision we made as long as Neil approved it we knew we were on relatively safe ground yeah and it's finally those contact lenses Mm. what were they about it wasn't so bad I wear contact lenses anyway and they had my prescription and so that helped in the desert in South Africa, they got a little oh, dry. I felt for you. They got a little dry. Yeah, party, a little the sound gritty. going in them. He was yeah. very brave. He was yeah. a very brave soldier. I was he won't say it himself, brave. but he was. So that was the interview with the cast and crew of Good Omens. I hope you really enjoyed that. As I said before, Good Omens is out on Amazon Prime right now. It's six episodes. If you haven't got Amazon Prime, it should be coming to the BBC at some point. They haven't said when yet, but it will be coming to the BBC at some point at a later date. So uh, if you don't want to get Amazon Prime, which you should, because it's awesome, but uh, go and uh, yeah. you can you can wait around. There's some amazing stuff coming up on Amazon My Prime. My wife soon. and I have been watching the US office, um, which we'd never seen before, but it's really terrific. It's all yeah. on Amazon Prime. All on Amazon Prime. And you've got the boys coming out this month as well, yes. which looks fabulous, which is uh, same people behind Preacher, with the addition of the creator of Supernatural, Eric Kripke, in charge of it. And that looks amazing. So I'm very much looking forward to that. So there's lots of good things on Amazon Prime. I would urge you to, even if you kind of go and do a trial for a month or whatever yeah. it is, and then turn it off if that's, if that's the case. If you can't get through six episodes in a month, then, you know. Uh, so, um, yes, worth going to get on there. But failing that, if you really don't want to do it, you can't afford it, go and wait for it to come up on the BBC. It will be there. Now on to some highlights for next week on TV. So, highlights for next week on TV. And uh, June suddenly, over the last sort of couple of weeks, become a really, really solid month for TV. Uh, we'll kick off with Happy. That is coming back on the 5th of June. That's amazing, amazing TV series. It's bonkers and I love it to bits. But uh, season two of Happy, 5th of June for that. Uh, the Blacklist back finally for its sixth season. That's on the 5th of June as well. That's at 9pm on Sky One. Black Mirror is back for a fifth season. Well, I say fifth season, it's three episodes, but black, or more Black Mirror is always good. So that's yeah. back on the 5th of June as well. Um, so 5th of June is going to be very 
busy. Uh, <laughs> Designated Survivor back for a third series. That's on the 7th of June. That's a great show as well. So you can go watch that. Uh, Kiefer Sutherland as the president. Killing Eve back on the 8th of June for its second season. Finally, uh, we've had millions of comments of like, when's Killing Eve coming back? <laughs> now it is coming back. Basically, they let it run out in BBC America because they wanted to put it on as a box set, much to the annoyance of everybody in the UK. Uh, it was a stupid idea. I don't know why they wanted to do it that way, but that's what they decided to do. So uh, coming to BBC Three as a box set from the 8th of June, but it will be going out weekly as well. Uh, so you can find it all on iPlayer, but it will be going out weekly from the 8th of June at 9.15 on BBC One. Fans of prison drama Wentworth Prison. Wentworth is back for... It's uh, seventh season of Five Star. That is on the 8th of June at 10 p.m. That is back. Handmaid's Tale landed out of nowhere. That is back for its third season on the 9th of June at 9 p.m. That starts. So very much looking forward to that coming back because that's an amazing show. Uh, Looks really interesting this year. Big Little Lies, second season of that. That is coming on the 10th of June at 2 a.m. And then it will be at 9 p.m. on its regular slot as well. But they are simulcast casting it with the US because it's become such a big show. So uh, Big Little Lies Season 2, that's coming to Sky Atlantic 10th of June. And Blackish, back for its fifth season on E4, that is on the 10th of June at 7.30. So um, some massive shows just all Where landed will we in find one week. The time? I know, I know. And I will be on holiday when most of these start as well, so uh, that's <laughs> annoying. So I'm going to have to do some major catching up, see if I can download a few things that kind of dropped just before I get away and pile them up on a pad so I can take them with me. <laughs> awesome. So uh, that's everything for this week, unless you've got anything else you'd like to add. No, that's great. Just uh, make sure you check out that uh, Geek Town Instagram for all that uh, cosplay goodness. I'm sure Dave will read out the uh, tag in a second. Yes, yes. That's uh, yes. Lots of stuff going up on there. For the next couple of weeks, I'm not entirely sure what we're going to do show-wise because I'm away again. A couple of weeks we may do interview shows. Um, I'm not entirely sure, but I will. I will let you know when they go up. For all the information throughout the rest of the week, though, you can go to geektown.co.uk and see all the latest air date info. If you want to get in touch with your questions and comments, email us on podcast at geektown.co.uk. Leave a message on the website post. Find us at Geektown on Twitter, on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash geektown, on YouTube at youtube.com forward slash geektown, and on Instagram for all your cosplay photos. That's Geektown UK. That's everything. We shall see you next week. Bye bye. Bye. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com.